the thing about uh, Pentecost is, and a lot of people don't know this, but Pentecost is a Jewish holiday. It's a Jewish festival. And it was held last, uh, in, in the church year, Pentecost was last Sunday. Uh, and there's the Jewish calendar, and then there's uh, the regular calendar that we use. One is based, the Jewish calendar is based on, on the moon, a lunar calendar. Our calendar is a solar calendar, so it follows the sun. Uh, when we celebrate holidays, uh, for instance, uh, the Res Resurrection Sunday and that, it's based on a solar calendar. And it coincides uh, sometimes with Passover. Some people don't understand, well, why can Passover and, and the Resurrection Sunday be around the same time like it was this year, and other times it'd be maybe a month or more apart? It's because it's just two different calendars. Uh, and also within the Jewish calendar, and this is a little side note just to keep you from being too confused, in the Jewish calendar, there are seven feasts of Israel. They follow the agricultural calendar of ancient Israel. And the first of the new year is in the fall. It's called Rosh Hashanah, which is head of the year, Feast of Trumpets, and it usher in, ushers in the new year. But also in scripture, you'll find that Passover, one of the spring festivals, is the beginning of the year. And that's the agricultural year. And so to prevent confusion, it's kind of like uh, in, in our year, we have January 1st as a, as a new year. If you have anything connected with school, you're a teacher or you send kids to school, you know that the school year begins in the fall. Or in some businesses, you'll have a fiscal year. So just as we have different years, the Jewish calendar has different years as well. So in Leviticus 23, if you could turn there right now, I'm going to read Leviticus 23, verses 1 through 4, and it talks about these feasts of Israel. And it also talks about the Sabbath. So Leviticus 23, beginning with verse 1, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites, say to them, these are my appointed feasts, the appointed feasts of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies. There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to the Lord. These are the Lord's appointed feasts, the sacred assemblies you are to proclaim at their appointed times. So these sacred assemblies or these appointed times, the Hebrew word for them are, is called moed. Uh, moed. And so these are set apart where the people of God would stop their regular day-to-day -day routine and acknowledge the Lord and to rest in him. Uh, and then also the Sabbath is a weekly uh, moed, appointed time or a sacred assembly. And it would be also the occasion for the people of God to stop what they're doing, to rest in him and to honor him. And so, as I said, the ancient calendar was an agricultural calendar. It followed the planting of the crops, the tending of crops, and the harvesting of the crops. And then the uh, Shabbat, the Sabbath, was a weekly moed, appointed time, sacred assembly, in which the people would gather together and rest in him. And so in, uh, in our lives, uh, these uh, moed happen to be every time we meet. 
And so even though you may have never heard the word moed or never, never had heard of it as a sacred assembly or in appointed times, uh, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, we are meeting in moed. We are meeting in sacred assembly and holy convocation to acknowledge the Lord, to rest in him, uh, and to worship him and to honor him, and also to rest physically. Uh, in, the, uh, in Jewish tradition, uh, and this is what is a symbol for Jewish people, not only the Mogan David, the Star of David, but also the menorah. And the menorah is a seven-branch candelabra. And it's in synagogues, it's in front of the Knesset in Jerusalem, uh, and it's a seven-branch menorah. And what, the seven branches represent the six days of creation and then the Sabbath of rest. And so God has given us uh, moed as a gift from him. Now, sometimes I've been, attempt, uh, been tempted to, and uh, mainly because uh, after looking at this, I, sought of it, I thought of it in a different way. I've often thought of uh, worship, coming together in corporate worship, as more like a, a duty, kind of like those who uh, maybe in the military, Lord, I'm here for duty, you know, I'm, I'm reporting. And uh, so to take it as a responsibility. And that can be well and good, but I like to look at it now as moed, as more as a gift from God. That God has given us as an occasion for us to stop everything that we're doing and to acknowledge him, to rest physically and to rest spiritually and to worship him. So now I see it more as a gift. And brothers and sisters in Christ, and by the way, uh, the Hebrew word for family is mishpoka, okay? So you are all my mishpoka. You are my, fa uh, my family because of our common faith in Jesus. So mishpoka, we are meeting here in Moed this morning in sacred assembly and holy convocation to rest in him and to acknowledge that he's our Lord and our God. And for me, it's kind of been a game changer. When I meet now with other believers, I consider it meeting in Moed. And I consider it as a gift from God. And after all, if God, did, uh, if God in creating the world in six days and then resting on the seventh, if it's good enough for the creator of the universe, then it's good enough for us. And so he's given us uh, Moed as a precious gift. So this, uh, this, um, these times of Moed would be seven feasts that would be held during the year and then the weekly Moed of the Sabbath itself. These seven feasts are divided up into four spring feasts and then three fall feasts. Uh, the bookends are kind of like Passover, uh, the beginning of the agricultural year, and then the Feast of Tabernacles, which would be in the fall time, and that would be the end of these seven feasts. I'm going to be more focused on the four spring feasts this morning, and I can't go into all their detail, but Mishpoka, they all clearly point to Jesus. It is amazing. And God in his infant wisdom, when uh, Jesus was here on earth, used these feasts to send the people uh, a message, a very clear message that he was the Messiah and Savior of the world. And that his purpose in these feasts and what he did for us is that God's plan has always been to save us. His intention before the foundation of the world was always to save us and always have an intimate relationship with him. 
So we have the first of the feasts is Passover, and Passover is where the people of God, being uh, slaves in Egypt for 400 years, were freed. Now, the, the freedom of slavery uh, was when the Egyptians had to suffer through all the plagues. The last of the plagues was a slain of the firstborn. And in order for Israel to spare their firstborn, they were commanded to slay a spotless, unblemished lamb and pour the blood of that lamb into a basin, take hyssop, vegetation that grows in the Middle East, and sprinkle it over the doorposts and over the lentils so the angel of death would pass over their home and spare their firstborn. And so we see in there that the, the blood of the lamb spared the firstborn and had the angel of death pass over. And we know in Jesus that Jesus became our Passover lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and we know by his blood the price that he had to pay for, uh, for our sins and to give us eternal life was through the shedding of his blood. Uh, and then connected with Passover is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And leaven is a symbol in, of a sin in the Bible uh, so that there can be no leaven during Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And it's now connected Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Immediately after Passover, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread is the Feast of first fruits, and that's the barley harvest, the first harvest of the year. And the barley harvest, the, the, the grain would be gathered in, and it would be weighed before the Lord as a sign of uh, the Lord giving the harvest to the people and the people giving it back to the Lord. And it's the Feast of first fruits is when Jesus was raised from the dead. And Paul, a good Jewish boy, and Corinthians talks about that Jesus is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So he has said for us that just as I have been raised from the dead, because of your faith in me, you too will be raised from the dead. So he, Jesus died on, the, on uh, Passover. He was raised again on the feast of first fruits. And then what happens is, uh, seven weeks and one day following his resurrection is the Feast of Pentecost. And the Feast of Pentecost, obviously we know it is the time in which God poured out his Holy Spirit on the people. But the people were celebrating Pentecost, which they referred to as Shavuot. And Shavuot means weeks. Uh, and Shavuot occurs seven weeks and one day following the Feast of first fruits. So this was the time of the wheat harvest. And in, Levi in uh, Leviticus 23, I'll read uh, from uh, the account of the Feast of Weeks. And that's beginning with verse 15, if you'd like to follow along. That's Leviticus 23, beginning with verse 15. From the day after the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheave of wave offering, count off seven full weeks. Count off 50 days up to the day after the seventh Sabbath, and then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. From wherever you live, bring two loaves of, of two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour baked with yeast as a wave offering of first fruits to the Lord. Present with this bread seven male lambs, each a year old and without defect, one young bull and two rams. They are to be a burnt offering to the Lord, together with their grain offerings and drink offerings, an offering made by fire, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. 
Then sacrifice one male goat for a sin offering and two lambs each a year old for a fellowship offering. The priest is to wave the two lambs before the Lord as a wave offering, together with the, the bread of first, the first fruits. They are a sacred offering to the Lord for the priest. On that same day, you are to proclaim as a sacred assembly and do no regular work. This is to be a lasting ordinance for generations to come wherever you live. When you reap the harvest in your land, you are not to reap it to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the alien, for I am the Lord your God. So this is something that had happened since the account of Leviticus when it was given. The interesting thing about this is this was given by, to people to accept by faith. Because where were they when all of this was happening? They were in the middle of the desert. So there wasn't anything to do with crops at that time. You know, we're talking about the, har uh, the barley harvest or with the Feast of Weeks, uh, Shavuot, the wheat harvest. They were in the middle of the desert. There, were no, there was no harvesting to be done. There were no planting of crops to be done. They were still living on manna and quail and water. Uh, so this was something that was going to be for the future, and they had to accept it by faith. All of this was going to happen down the road. And so here in the Feast of Weeks, it's an opportunity to, for the people taking in the wheat harvest to again wave the offering before the Lord as a sign of giving over the harvest to the Lord, the Lord returning it back to his people. And it was a time of great celebration. And it was also this sacred assembly. So for Jewish people, Shavuot or the Feast of Weeks was just that. It also is 50 days, and according to Jewish tradition, that was 50 days from when they left Egypt. So this was seven weeks and one day, and it was 50 days after they had fled Egypt. And it was on that time that Moses was given God's law on Mount Sinai. And so that's the celebration to this day of Shavuot and the Feast of Weeks. It's a time of celebration. It's a time uh, not only of moed and sacred assembly and recognizing that the Lord is the one who provides, but it's also in a physical way, but it's also in a spiritual way because this is when God gave his law to the people. And so even in Israel today, and for Jewish people, this is an opportunity of celebration. What happens is, is that uh, during this time, Scripture is read by observant Jews through the night during Shavuot. It's an all, you're pulling an all-nighter to read God's word, to thank him for providing his word. It's also a time in which dairy products are consumed. Uh, so cheese blintzes, uh, ice cream, anything with dairy, uh, milkshakes are extremely popular uh, during Shavuot. Uh, it's a time, uh, so this is a time in which God's word is like milk to our soul and uh, as sweet as honey. And so sweet dairy things are very appropriate during Shavuot, during the Feast of Weeks. Also, the book of Ruth is read. And so the book of Ruth is read because, remember, they are not to glean, when they get into the promised land and, and harvest the crops, they are not to harvest it all the way to the edges and pick up all the gleanings. They're to leave that for the poor, and the book of Ruth is all about that. 
because Boaz didn't, he followed that and he didn't harvest his crop all the way to the edges. He left some and that's what let, that was what provided for Ruth and Naomi. So the book of Ruth is also read. So that's the context of the Feast of Weeks of Shavuot. Uh, and this is something that uh, was uh, a, a, a pilgrimage feast. There are, of the seven feasts, three of them in Jesus' time in ancient Israel, the men and the and people had to report to Jerusalem. In fact, Jesus had to report to Jerusalem for each of these feasts as well, and, that, as well, and that's why he would come from the Galilee down to Jerusalem to be part of these feasts. And he always had a message during these feasts that ended up with basically the message, excuse me, I'm the one. So at Passover, as I said, he made, he made a very clear statement uh, that he was the one, and uh, ultimately by dying during Passover. And then Shavuot is when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the people. And also even during the Feast of Tabernacles in the book of John, uh, Jesus reported to Jerusalem, and during the Feast of Tabernacles is when the priest would draw a pitcher of water daily from the Pool of Siloam and pour it out onto the altar as, uh, as a prayer for the winter rains, because just as our, our uh, California is a Mediterranean climate and dependent on rain, and we're suffering a drought, it's the same with Israel. And so there would be an annual prayer for rain. And then also the uh, pouring out of the water on the altar would also symbolize a prayer that God would pour out his Holy Spirit and that Messiah would come. In fact, a very common song and psalm would be from 118. Oh, uh, Hosanna, uh, Hosanna, oh save us now, Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Hosanna means save us now. And so Jewish people at that time would be praying they would be pouring out the water, praying for God's Holy Spirit upon the people and to say, oh Lord, save us now, send Messiah now. And Jesus came to Jerusalem during that Feast of Tabernacles to say that if any man thirsts, let him come after me and I will give him, stream, uh, out of him will flow streams of living water. And he was basically saying, as I said before, excuse me, I'm the one. So that's some of the things that would happen because the people in Deuteronomy were told that they needed to report in Jerusalem for those three times. So that sets up Pentecost. And if you turn with me to, uh, to Acts chapter 2, I'm not going to go into the account of Pentecost itself because what basically what happened was Jesus crucified on Passover, raised from the dead on the feast of first fruits, then ascended 40 days later. And before he ascended, he said to his followers, his disciples, wait here in Jerusalem and I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit upon you. So when was the time that he chose to have that happen? during Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, of the feast in which Jewish people from all over the civilized world had to report to Jerusalem. So they had done this on the Feast of Passover. And what happened during the Feast of Passover? Jesus was crucified. 
and then he rose again from the dead on the Feast of First Fruits. So the same people from all over the civilized world were in Jerusalem at the same time they had been for Passover. They reported then and they reported now. So the, the, they, were the, they were the ones who were in Jerusalem and were eyewitnesses of what happened on Passover only 50 days earlier. And so it was during that time, uh, during Passover, I mean during uh, the Feast of Weeks, in which all the people were gathered together in Jerusalem. And God in his infinite wisdom at that time poured out his Holy Spirit upon the people. And that launched what we know is the birth date of the church. And from there, the, the gospel was taken to the world. So Peter's message at that time is recorded in Acts chapter 2. And if you could turn to Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 22, this is Peter's message to the people. Men of Israel, listen to this Jesus of Nazareth, was a man accredited by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life, you will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you with confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. And I have to stop here because according to Jewish tradition, the, uh, King David was born on Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, and died on Shavuot, right when Peter was giving this message. So Peter was using that as an example and, and to point and to uh, make note of that that day. But he was the prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of this fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, has poured, on you, uh, poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord, the Lord our God will call. With many, others, uh, many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message and were baptized, there were about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So you'll notice in verse 39 that the promise is for your children and all who are far off. And dear Mishpoka, all who are far off are us. Are us. All of those who are far off are us. What God did is that his plan has always been to save us. And his plan has always been to do what we could never do for ourselves. We could never save ourselves. And so God created and came up with this rescue plan to do for us what we couldn't do. And that is to cover our sins. So all who are far off... God in his infinite mercy poured out his Holy Spirit on the people that day and about 3,000 were saved. And where did they go after Pentecost, after Shavuot? They went home. And what did they do when they went home? They told others about what had happened to them. And they too came to faith. And then the gospel was taken to the world and here we are in Monterey in 2015 because of God, what God did on that day in taking the gospel to the world and all of those who are far off, which includes us. So God's plan has always been to save us. God's plan has always been to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. So God's plan and purpose was accomplished, not only in Passover when Jesus, uh, sent, uh, then when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but it was accomplished through Pentecost, through Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, when God poured out his Holy Spirit and took the gospel to the world. Isn't that fantastic? What I'd like to leave you with, though, today is I'd like to um, kind of wrap this up with Peter himself. Because, yes, God did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, and his plan was always been to save us. But in Peter, I think that we see encouragement and we have hope. If you think of Peter, yes, he was one of the disciples, but Peter, over and over again, blew it. Whether he was uh, going to walk on water and sunk, whether he was told, like the other disciples, to watch and pray in Gethsemane, what did they do? They all fell asleep. And then remember, uh, probably the most uh, searing of it all is when Peter very confidently said to Jesus, you know what, everyone else is going to fall away, and everyone else is going to uh, go the other way, but never, Lord, will I. Never. And then Jesus cuts to the heart and says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And then Peter did deny him three times. And he was a broken man. He went away and wept. And then uh, during the whole thing, he stood from afar off, and he watched what was happening, but he did so as a very defeated and broken man. And if you put yourself in Peter's shoes for a minute, you probably think, you know what, this is the end. I'm toast, uh, you know, it just didn't happen. I said that I would be willing to face death rather than fall away. I denied him three times. I fell asleep, I did everything. I, when he needed me the most, 
I did the exactly op the opposite of what needed to happen. So he is a broken and defeated man. And then what is amazing, Mishpoka, is about God's grace. And we sang about God's grace this morning. And I'm so glad that we did about God's grace that, that Peter, the only way out was God's grace. The only possible way out for him was God's grace. And so 40 before Jesus ascended into heaven, so he, Jesus was raised on the Feast of First Fruits. And by the way, when he, was, uh, when he raised from the dead, uh, the account is that the angels appeared to the women. And what did the angels say? Uh, go tell his disciples and Peter. And I think, oh man, that is so amazing that that message would be specifically for Peter. And Peter needed that message in the worst way. Of all of them, he needed it. He was the one who was not going to fall away no matter what. So tell the disciples and Peter that it's happened. Then, before he ascended, he told Peter three times, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And he basically, the heading in my Bible is he restored him. God's grace restored him. And then 10 days later, this is what really amazes me about Peter. So Peter, completely defeated, completely broken, completely hopeless, God not only gives, gives him his grace and says that I'm going to use you and that you're mine, but then 10 days after he ascended, who preaches the message at Pentecost? Peter, of all people to be the spokesperson for God at that point, you would think that would be the last person that would fill that role. And it was Peter. And who is he preaching to that day? Among that audience were, uh, were likely the people who he, den uh, who he had denied to, uh, Jesus to uh, 50 days earlier. And it was definitely the same crowd that was there that witnessed Jesus' uh, crucifixion. Because they had to report for Passover, and now they had to report for Shavuot. So these same people were there. And God gave Peter the boldness and the courage to be able to stand up in a confident way and say, he's the one. More than that, and, well, and then, and then to use him, that that would launch, uh, uh, that Pentecost is considered the birthday of the church and the ones who are far off is us. So the God, uh, that Peter's message that time went out, about 3,000 were saved, they went home, more got saved, the gospel was taken to the world, we're here now, all because God used somebody broken like Peter to accomplish his purposes. It's amazing. Another thing about it is in uh, Acts chapter 4, Peter has to report and stand before the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin was the most, uh, the most powerful body, uh, the leadership Jewish body. They were the leaders. They were the ones, it was, when you talk about Jesus, those who crucified Jesus, it was the Jewish leadership. And that was the Sanhedrin. So the Sanhedrin were the ones that were responsible for Jesus' crucifixion. 
and Jesus is, and, and Peter is standing before the Sanhedrin, the most religious Jewish body. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, he says, with all confidence, after he had denied Jesus three times, he goes to them. He has the chutzpah, the nerve to say them, that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. So he had that boldness. And dear Mishpoka, what I would like to leave with you today is this, that we are all Peter. We are all Peter. Uh, either in our lives, we have failed the Lord miserably. It might be that we're currently in a situation where we, don't feel, we feel completely unworthy and completely defeated. Or it may even happen in the future. But we are all Peter. Um, deserving of nothing but separation from God. And definitely not being at all worthy of being his ambassador, his spokesperson. And the thing about it is that's where God's grace comes in. Because even though we're inadequate, and even though we fail him, God is always there offering his forgiveness and his restoration to us. His plan was always to save us because he knew that we weren't going to make it on our own. He knew that we needed help. And he knew that that help could only come through Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. So if you are at, have ever felt that you're unworthy, you're currently now feeling unworthy, or in the future, always remember that it's not dependent on us, but it's dependent on him and what he did for us. And that's the good news. And uh, God knows that we are imperfect. God knows that we are inadequate. God knows that we fail. And yet he offers his love, grace, and forgiveness to us, even though we don't deserve it. And then he says on top of that, that he wants to use us just like Peter. Because I can only think of two reasons that we're here on this earth. One is to give God glory, to glorify him, uh, to honor him. And the other is to let everybody else know that they too can have a relationship with the living God. And he's chosen us by his grace to be that, that kind of spokesperson, uh, that ambassador for him. It's amazing. I'm going to close in prayer now, and then I'm just going to take a couple of minutes to tell you, give you a little bit of an update on Jews for Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your amazing grace. Thank you that we even sung, uh, were able to sing about it this morning, to, remind, uh, to be reminded that um, without you, we're nothing. Uh, Lord, thank you for the example in Peter, that though broken and though defeated, that yet you used him to accomplish your purposes. Lord, help us to never forget um, that it isn't about us, but it's about you. Uh, Lord, and thank you so much that you did for us what we couldn't possibly do for you um, through your son, Jesus. His name we pray, amen. So